Oh, Lisa, you were in my dream last night. Nice one. How did I look? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't meet you. You were on the phone cancelling. Oh, never. I was so mad at you. I yeah. was so angry. I got that when I came in. I was like, what's me? You got a vibe. You got a vibe. <laughs> yeah. I was like, whoa. Welcome to Girls With Goals. My name is Neve Marr and I'm delighted to welcome to studio this week PR guru and businesswoman Lisa Regan and Irish engineer, scientist and performer Dr. Neve Shaw. A little bit later on we'll be talking to Irish ballerina Monica Lockman. But first ladies, you're very welcome to the show. We all arrived. Got here. <laughs> delighted. Got here. That's a private joke. We don't yeah. need to tell them. Yeah. Um, so let's kick things off with a little game. It's called Six Words or Less and it's for our readers of her.ie and listeners who may not know who you are. So Lisa, can you describe yourself in six words or less? I always live by this statement and I think it's true to everything in life and it's just let your noise be your work. Let your noise be your work. Yeah. All right. So everything that you do, just do it well and then you don't have to really be bragging or going on about anything because your action will showcase everything that you're about. Nice. I like that. Wow. (laughs) Powerful, right, Neve? My homework's not as good as Lisa's. (laughs) That's why I arrived early. (laughs) You can do it. I guess mine would be... uh, Stay curious and embrace failure every day. That would be mine mine too. Because I'm a big believer. The only way to learn is to um, allow yourself fail and then Mm -hmm. you can only just get better all the way. And just be always curious. Always be curious about whatever it is that you're interested in. Speaking of curiosity, Neve, I'm very curious, and I know our listeners want to know as well, about your career. So you're an engineer and you're a scientist as well as a performer. Uh And you have a pretty interesting goal. So tell us about what your ultimate goal is. My ultimate goal is to go to space uh, as an artist. Um, yeah, uh, and the reason. What? For, yeah, and the reason for that is, is you 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 listed some fairly uh, um, different career paths along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and the thing is that when I was very young, I had a passion for space. Uh, I grew up in a house where science fiction was everywhere, and we loved watching the moon landings. And I really wanted to be a part of it but there was nobody in my line of sight that I could see that was a role model or that could help me figure it out so yeah. I never I never told anyone and when I was it would come up all the time in my diaries you know in my 20s and my 30s and when I was making my first uh, theatre show combining science and the arts I was looking at my life and all the different life choices that I had and at that moment I realised that my desire to go to space was still there and it was very painful for me that I'd done nothing about it so as an artist that's the perfect gift to be given because it'll inspire you to make your next piece of work and that's it and I decided in that moment that I would devote the rest of my life to getting to space as an artist as an everyday person because um when when you like space, you're kind of it's in your kind of frame of reference all the time, and you you know the science of it and everything. You're just sort of absorbing it. But for everyday people, a lot of them don't understand why we why we have this desire, why so many of us have this desire to go to space. And for me, it's to see the Earth from a distance. Okay, because it puts kind of life in perspective, and it puts ourselves in perspective about how beautiful our planet is and what we can do to take care of it. So, what are the steps that you're taking then to make this happen? Um, I make theatre. So I, this is my, I'm about to, my third show about um, 
Science and Theatre uh, is coming up in Smock Alley in March and it's my second show about my obsession to go to space and this one is set in the future in Mars in 2036 where I'm on a mission and I'm bringing bees to Mars because we're trying to pollinate plants because that's, you know if we can pollinate plants on Mars then we have a chance of, of being able to grow our own food. Okay. And uh, that came about because last year I was part of a what's called a simulated Mars mission. So I went to the middle of nowhere in uh, Utah yeah. in a desert and I spent two weeks in this tin can uh, called a Habitat and we lived as if we were on Mars. So every time we went outside we had to suit up and wear um, helmets and everything. Wow. And we would limited power, limited water um, mm. and limited food. And uh, that really gives you an idea of the psychology of how difficult it is when you're isolated like that. And that's the kind of future that we're talking about if we were to live on Mars. So I try to experience as much as I can what it would be like to live off space. And I do that for a number of reasons. One is part of the art project, but also to help the general public understand how lucky we are that we kind of take for granted that gravity is bang on for us and all our muscles and bones are designed for this gravity that every time we take a breath we can just like breathe inside and, and outside that we have you know water on tap yeah. that we have power on tap well in some developed countries anyway and all of that is available to us when you take that away and you try and live on a planet where there is none of that and the isolation of it it's it's it really makes you realise um, so why do you want to go there? <laughs> I want to go the there. Question. I, I want like to, I understand you want to learn and you want to. Yeah. And it, it's about there's environmental reasons as yeah. well. So yes. like space travel at the moment. Lisa, what do you would you be able to live in space? No, I don't know what it is. I like I'd really admire and I get mm. the whole like thing with space it's like it's just phenomenal because it's yeah. the unknown to us yeah. all I mean we just don't know anything about it other than kind of what we're told by Hollywood movies and all yeah. those things so yeah. I think it's incredible but I don't have any desire I don't know why but I'm intrigued by people wanting to find out more like there has to be more out there than, than planet Earth than when we're on then did that you, opens up a whole other uh, did you watch words. Gravity did you? Oh, yeah there was yeah. a great that scared me so much there was a great joke about Gravity whereby George Clooney was something like he would rather float off into space than spend any more time with a woman of his own age yeah, 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 yeah. Sandra Bullock was like <laughs> freaked. But you said there about living in the tin can in yeah. this kind of simulation. Yeah. I'm so claustrophobic mm. and I'm also mm. kind of afraid of heights and mm. I'm not the best flyer. So actually, I'd probably be the worst candidate. Um, but just say we get to a point where people are able to go to Mars readily and it's like, you know, just as if we're going on a Lewis trip. Yeah. Would it be like that or would will the environment ever get to a point where it's going to be a comfortable place for people to live? Are people looking at Mars as an alternative to Earth? Some are, but I, I don't think it's a very feasible um, plan. You know, like is it really, really hot or is it really, really, really cold? cold? Right, It's really so cold. Okay. Carbon dioxide is the, is the dominant gas in the air, so, so we breathe oxygen. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, that, that's going to be difficult. Uh, gravity is one third that of Earth's. There's nothing there. There is no plant life. There is no, there is nothing living. There might be a little bit of bacteria stuck on a rock or something in terms mm-hmm. of organic that's that's about as good as it gets we know that there's water on it no it's always going to be incredibly difficult so why do we do it we've we are a curious um, species. Mm-hmm. We've always wanted to know what's over the hill. For as long as we can remember, you go through history books, we've always had explorers as part of our mm-hmm. history. You know, at one stage in the 1500s, it was about discovering the New World, which was, of course, the, you know, the continent of America. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was sort of mastering the seas, you know. And then in the at the turn of the, uh, the 20th century, it was Antarctica, you know, and it was the polar regions. We always want to know... Uh, you know this is what I mean about being curious we're yeah, always curious about 
about, you know, can we survive? And and out of it always comes innovation and new ways of seeing and new technologies and things that we can bring back to Earth. But the thing about space, which which to me is the most appealing thing, is so around this time when I realised I wanted to go to space, there's a, there's a photograph called Earthrise and it was taken in 1968 and it's a picture from, um, so the Apollo missions were the missions that NASA conducted to go to the moon. Yeah. And so the one where we, we know most about, which was the moon landings with Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin, that was Apollo 11. Okay. So there was, there was 10 other missions to get to that point. So Apollo 8, which was the year before in 1968, took a picture of Earth from the moon and it's half lit uh, so, so, the, so it's, it's like a sunrise of of Earth. I think so I've seen it. It's yeah. a really famous, beautiful. Yeah, yeah. When that picture was released, it kicks. It said that it kickstarted the environmental movement. We suddenly realised how fragile our planet was and how lucky we are to have this beautiful kind of blue marble. And and for me, that's the reason why I want to go. I want to experience that view, and I want to bring as many people with me to experience that view to change their perception of their relationship with the planet and themselves. Because all my life, I've been constantly kind of looking at different perceptions of myself. Yeah. So did you move around much growing up? I moved around a lot. No, not up. really. Okay, yeah. so I moved around a lot, yeah. and, and you constantly have to reassess, who, you know, who's in your direct line of sight and who your friends yeah. are and everything. So uh, when I I was 12 we were living in Dundalk and I was boys mad right mm-hmm. and Dundalk Shopping Centre was where you checked out the lads right oh. you do this you do this kind of walk around the Dundalk Shopping Centre so when I was up until I went to college the Dundalk Shopping Centre was the centre of my existence it was where it was the hot spot the talent of was. my life mm-hmm. right yeah. then to go back there Nick. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go to Dundalk yeah, this weekend so, so you you then go to college in Dublin right and suddenly you go back to the Dundalk Shopping Centre oh, no. oh, not no. so great anymore no. you know you've suddenly <laughs> seen a whole other oh, no. variety of boys. I'm not going to tell you that before. Yeah. Yeah. And then I went to work in London for the summer. Oh no, again, again. And like, oh boys, really? Irish boys? Yeah, you're nice, but there's a whole other world London. out there. Mm. So you keep changing your perception and yeah. the ultimate change That's of perception so is to see the earth from a distance. So I would hope that it would make everybody You'll never come back, me. I'll just be out there. I just want to look at Earth. It's such a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful Can image. I ask, you mentioned there about the Apollos and we're going to talk about you, Lisa, now. Oh, no, I'm Honestly, this. I would talk about space. Yeah. Are you? Do you For want to go to space? No, no, no. No, no I'd be terrified. It's interesting to listen, aren't yeah. I don't even like getting on a plane. About it. Yeah. Yeah. And even, it's not tangible. Like, just back to gravity, that scene, you know, when uh, Sandra Bullock is, is out and, and yeah. she's just literally flipping around. Like, that to me was my worst nightmare. because like. Because like, there's nothing to touch or to grab that for me. So well, I'm we're like, not supposed to be there. Like, yeah. it's, it's a massive... Can you think something like the size of an ant has figured out how to propel itself outside of its own atmosphere and its own gravity and then land on a another celestial body, the moon, and is planning to go... I mean, it's incredible. It is. It like, is. That's the thing about it is it's, it's, it's when everybody works together. It's incredible what we can do as a group. But individually, we are very, very vulnerable. But the moon landing happened right yeah. in the 60s yeah. why hasn't anyone else gone to the moon since then because technology has progressed so much since that and obviously we know that there's all the what do you call them what do you call them what do you call them Neil Armstrong no 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 them. when people think that it's conspiracy theories it about whether it actually happened, happened or, it or not so why why aren't we exploring the moon anymore if, if well, we, we got there first well we are okay. uh, so the moon village is the next big thing on the on the map of like the big plans so there's, so a lot of space agencies are coming together and they're developing like to actually have a moon village so they're having a permanent habitat on the moon for research purposes and okay. the European Space Agency are very heavily involved with that as are NASA and other teams working collaboratively 
together. Why we didn't go back was what actually happened is once we had the moon landings, people started getting bored. People started yeah. taking it for Been granted. There, that, Been like. there, done that. Yeah. The space shuttle was the next big thing that people loved, mm. you know. And then when we had two major accidents on the space shuttle, people's relationship with, with space and NASA became kind of a... Um, it, it kind of changed It was a bit. also a race back then as well. It was a race was a with race. the Russians. And so yeah. always it's about politics and money, usually. Yeah. Most exploration is behind. So, so there was nothing to achieve. But now um, the next wave of exploration is coming and you can see it in, um, you know, there's either missions to Mars planned or or this, the Moon Village. So it's a very exciting time again. Literally, whenever you say that, I'm going to Kildare Village at the weekend. So whenever you say Moon Village, I'm just thinking yeah. of like a little shopping place on the moon. Yeah. Oh, wow. I'd, I'd go there. Oh my God, I'd absolutely love it. Discount. I hope that you can name, you know, your expedition and say from Dundalk Shopping Centre Center. to Mars. I think I should find Neve Shaw. Yeah. Tomorrow. Definitely, that's yeah. great. Yeah. Now listen, you can have that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Lisa, we're going to talk about you for a second now, although we probably will go back to space eventually. So. So yeah. You own your own PR firm and you also have a clothing line as well. We're going to yeah. talk about minimalism a little bit later on and focus on an incredible challenge that you embarked on last year. But first, tell me about how you got to where you are in your career. Oh, it's like, I love this because it's nothing straightforward with me. Um, I went to college in UCG, which is now NUIG, and I studied geography and English. And I got my degree and then I headed off to New York for the summer and then I just didn't come back. So I stayed there for two years and I had a wonderful time. Um, So I went on my own and I really learned more in that time in New York, I think, than I've ever learned anywhere about myself and everything. I remember my poor dad dropping me to Shannon and he was like, so he's a very funny man that we call Horse. That's his nickname. And Neve, he's the same height as you. Oh, right. So... (laughs) everyone is laughing because we're all very tall in my family and it's like where's horse and he talked this and he's like Lisa who are you meeting in New York and I was like no one and I was like his 20 year old daughter heading off to New York and he was like she'll be grand sure didn't have a mobile phone or anything then like literally headed off and I came back from New York then and um, I was about 2007 and I always wanted to be a journalist ever since watching the Turtles April O'Neil the yellow jumpsuit she's my inspiration as well what's the Turtles I don't know what's the Turtles teenage mutant Remember April O'Neil? Yeah, my nine news. Come on, Neve. She's unbelievable. She wore a yellow jumpsuit. She wore a yellow jumpsuit and literally um, I dressed up like her for mm, five, six years in a row at Halloween. Yeah, Yeah. she was groundbreaking. Groundbreaking journalist, yeah. (laughs) Splinter, she had her work cut out with him. So a position came up in the Galway Independent as a junior reporter. Okay. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going for this. And I absolutely loved it. So after two weeks, it made me permanent because I just like... It was, it was what I always wanted to do. I love writing, I love language and I yeah. love meeting people. So combining those things. So I was never really hard news there. Um, I had one front page story and it was really funny when uh, the current, uh, the Galway hurling manager at the time had been given a Lexus car and um, he had ran over a bull. So it was Lexus kills bull was the headline. <laughs> and I would like to take full credit for that. That was my first front Very page. Good. That's and groundbreaking. That was mm. groundbreaking news story. And then I went off in 2009 and went off travelling the world the usual route you know like kind of Asia um, Australia New Zealand and everything mm. and when I came back it was 2010 and there was nothing, nothing happening yeah. and my poor dad got me a job in a gym selling gym memberships and I don't know if you've ever worked in sales but it is not my jam mm. I hated it cold calling people so Neve it's funny we were talking about the gym, gym before we came in me ringing you asking you did you want to renew your membership <laughs> so every month the, the woman that was over at me who for the record couldn't spell so that really irritated me today was even uh, hard for her <laughs> she thought it was two words with a hyphen in the middle and she'd say let's just draw a line in the sand this month again Lisa and I said there's so many lines in the sand now I'm in Australia <laughs> horrific 
<laughs> so I was like I need to get out of here so I was like how can I combine what I like to do so I love sport I love events I love people and I love writing so for a full year I just got involved in everything I'm really involved in my GA club and I'm really involved in my community and I always encourage people even when I meet them now I see them in college you know I get a lot of people sending me their CVs and they want all this experience get involved in your life because yeah. what I did for a full year was I worked in a lot of GA led based things for totally for free to get as much contacts and as much experience as I could and it was tough like it was like it's never a good crack working for free you know but that's how I started my company like literally it was from that and I built a reputation of being reliable um, good with people and executing things properly and just doing things right you know if I said I was going to do something I did it and uh, then I always had the writing background so I loved that then so yeah. I could I could tell a story and I knew I wanted to work in, in, in PR and things like that and telling other people's stories because when I meet people I'm like okay great but how are you going to tell everyone else now about this yeah. but not in an aggressive way in a way that's comfortable to people because mm. you know they sometimes you can see some people and they're so uncomfortable talking about themselves it's it's an Irish thing too as well but when they find something they're really passionate about like say if it's like a honey maker or something like that they like they are the people then there's such passion in them so yeah. it, I always I always find like did you always know that you wanted to be your own boss or was that something yeah. that kind of just happened because I always find expectation versus reality really interesting and I think Same. a lot of people think I was actually speaking to a colleague of mine about you know that film 500 Days of Summer yes. oh, and you know yeah. that scene in it yeah. when he's going to the apartment and he has and it's split screens and then it's like the expectation of what the night is going to yes, be and then the reality I love that, I love that. Same here. and it's amazing that's but, true. I, but I always think people think oh you know when I'm my own boss it'll be really easy oh and I'll be gosh. able to leave whenever I want like what would you say to people who want to become their own bosses but maybe have a different Hollywood version of what, yeah. what they can expect there's no Hollywood version of it and everyone needs to pull away from that um, I just feel that you know everyone is always talking about work life balance and everything for me this is life yeah. this is my life so this whole thing of like you know having a work separate and a living separate and everything I just think no this is your life you're here this is your only chance so do it as well so being self-employed is really hard and mm. that is there is no way to sugarcoat that mm-hmm. you are responsible for everything so when people get jobs and I'm like that's amazing they have a 37 hour working week they finish at 4 o'clock they get paid every single week that is beautiful and that is great and that's the benefit of being employed by someone else yeah. my salary and income is totally dependent on me I don't it will change from month to month um, bar like I have retainer clients obviously but I'll get new business then as well too but everything is up to me and also you're always on a little bit and that's the one thing that I'm always a small bit jealous now it's a total choice of mine yeah. I know that but I'm never really 100% switched off because you know I saw this girl one day I was coming back from training and I was on my bike and I knew she was a teacher because it was midterm break and she was walking into town I was like she's off today yes. just that feeling of she's off today because and and it's my own fault too again I take full accountability like I would be like if someone messaged me or needed something from me in a business sense seven days a week I'll get back to them Yeah, it's just yeah. ingrained in me now I'm seven years on the road and I'm like you know what I mean but I do when I saw her that morning I was like she's off she's off today that one now. and she's really off she's really off you yeah. know although I've actually made kind of a few little things that you can do and I suppose it's about trying to get that balance as Defo. well so I don't have my work emails on my phone and Brilliant. that was a huge thing for me because yeah. in my last job I did and I was 
was literally always on call yeah. and this time round um, I'm not now again you know if people want to call me they can call no, me I know. but it is about striking a balance it as well is. so obviously you're going to be working incredibly hard if you're yeah. running your own business and it's your own reputation and it's your name above yeah. the door but you have to get a balance as well I'm presuming the amount that you train as well is a oh, way that you switch phenomenal. off everything for me is and just on that too Neve, one thing as well in the last two years and I say this to everyone like I'm never going to save anybody's life right mm. so just get over yourself a little bit too you know people are like I'm so busy yeah. and you're like calm down there cool the jets Benny you know for 10 minutes and just yeah, yeah. relax yeah. so take that email off your phone get back to them yeah. the next day this rat race that we've you know I sometimes feel that saying you're busy is a badge of honour mm. how busy are you though Neve? because yeah. I'm busier than you I'm up the walls and you're like <laughs> yeah. shut up you can, be, you can be stupid busy totally you know I mean? like, yeah. yeah not smart busy no it's yeah. definitely that but the training thing for me is huge that yeah. was it, that is my grounding I do it every day it's like brushing my teeth it's it's just part and parcel people are like how do you find time to train um, I don't have any children so at the moment uh, my life is really you know I don't have to think about another human being yeah. in terms of that because I know it is quite difficult when you have children and stuff like that to prioritise yourself over like feeding your child or getting them out to school but I'm luckily in a yeah. position at the moment and that for me always gives me such a grounding and balancing act and also just time when I am just in my body and in my head and focusing on myself for 50 minutes to an hour. So we are going to talk about a little bit about pairing things back since we just kind of naturally got onto that. We're going to take a quick break now though. I was so thrilled to meet ballerina Monica Lockman earlier in the week. I've always been fascinated with these incredibly athletic artists. So she moved to Russia at the age of 14 to pursue her dream and here's how we got on. I'm joined in studio now by one of Ireland's most accomplished ballet dancers, Monica Lockman. Monica, you are the founder of the Monica Lockman Elite Ballet, which is Ireland's main scale classical ballet company. So before we talk about the company and how things are going for you now, let's talk about your childhood. Okay. Let's start at the beginning. So what age did you begin dancing? Um, I started doing ballet, I think I was about four. I went along with my sister, so it wasn't because I particularly wanted to. You either did ballet or you did Irish dancing and... I just did ballet because it looked easier. Yeah. <laughs> I did ballet as well when I was a kid. I think a lot of little girls do. And yeah. I, I actually did Irish dancing as well. Mm-hmm. Didn't take to that at all. Um, but I loved ballet. But when did it become more than just a hobby for you? I think when I was about 12, then I, what was it, Flashdance came out or something? Like, you know, when the, all these really cool movies came out, I was like, yeah, I'm going to do that. And then, you know, I, I just kind of took hold. But I wasn't really very good at it until I went to Russia. I had a nice physique, yeah. you know, small head, looked the part, everything was fine. But I wasn't really very coordinated. Okay. Um, and I really barely knew my right from my left, that's honest. And then all of ballets in French, so I hadn't a clue what was going on. Yeah, I was going to ask <laughs> that. I mean, do you do you speak French or do you just know the movements No, you just know the terminology, oh, yes. Right, okay. And it's even more confusing because when you're in Russia, they, they mix the French with Russian. And so you moved to Russia when you were 14. I'd just gone 14 in July and I moved over mid-August. And how did that even come about? There was a lady came over to audition. Her name was um, Ludmila Palvna Sakharova. And she was the artistic director of the um, institute. And she was invited over by an Englishman called John Baraldi. Okay. And he just saw a niche in the market in Ireland. 
And he was right because we had nowhere to go and train f- full time. We all had to go to England. And back then, you know, you went to England and quite often you just kind of fell off the radar because you really need to have your, your your parents kind of around. Yeah. Especially in somewhere like London. Yeah. Where you can just kind of get sucked into the nightlife and all these other things. Whereas we, we were sent off to the Ural Mountains <laughs> where there was no light, <laughs> nightlife. And did you go on your own at 14? No, there was 10 Irish okay. girls and one boy. I mean, obviously you didn't know the language. I would presume you didn't have a base was, level of it, Russian before it was you went. Tough. It yeah. was very tough. It was lots of crying at night, you know, and there's lots of issues as well when you're going into a sport. It's very competitive, yeah. you know, because initially at that age, it is a sport. Mm-hmm. Um, over here, we just didn't understand what we were getting ourselves into, to be honest. And there's lot of, lots of issues around bullying and, you know, all of these things we, we all really struggled with. I can't just say it was me. I was going to ask, like, what did the Russian kids that were there think of this kind of troop of Irish dancers we coming in. Did they? And we were. A terrible at ballet or yeah. terrible in general? No, terrible at ballet. Really? Yeah, we were great because we'd loads of food that they wanted okay. to put in. <laughs> and I don't blame them now in hindsight. <laughs> and we had jeans and I had runners that had lights in them and, yeah. you know, we were just like, we'd fallen out of the sky. Yeah. But ballet-wise, they just, they, they laughed at us and they were right. We were shocking. And so tell me about how the training was like then when you got there. What, what kind of hours were you doing in a day? We weren't, initially you don't really do that much because, you, you know, you can't go from not really knowing anything about ballet to all of a sudden it takes years yeah. it takes years and years so we were only doing about an hour and a half to two hours a day and you okay. were bored out of your mind after that right. but you know they were right the, the training was correct it was very slow it was quite boring mm. to be honest but there's something in this the slowness that brought us all back to the same level because because I would have been quite behind the other Irish girls yeah just the body was good but the, the knowledge wasn't there okay so thankfully she brought us back to literally the, the very, very start, very slow moving. And my brain just, I just kind of copped on what she was looking for. Where everyone else was think, waiting for the next step to happen, I was really getting involved in what she was teaching us at that moment. So how long did you stay there in Russia and when did it become something that you knew you wanted to pursue professionally? Um, I stayed for 14 years. Whoa. Yes. And um, I think in, in the first couple of weeks or months when the teacher had, had just taken a shine to me. Yeah. But now I know why. And it's not... And why was it? It was my brain. Okay. You know, yeah, I mean, the, the Russians have... This, all Everybody there had a decent body, but it wasn't about the body. You can have a wonderful body, <clears throat> but have no intelligence or aptitude for this. Right. And it just seemed that, I, and not only that, when I remember getting on the plane, and it's a weird thing for a 14-year-old to say to themselves, but I remember thinking, now I'm not the little, you know, one of three. I was the youngest child. So I was kind of like, oh, there she goes again. You know, when yeah. the, you know, you kind of get categorised when you're in your own household. Yeah. And I thought, well, this is a way that I can be whoever I want to be. And I decided that I was going to be really good at this. You talked about the body there a lot. And I mean, I suppose for ballet dancers, you have to be in peak physical condition and you also have to be really mentally competent in order to kind of understand and learn the choreography. Um, Do you see people who try really, really hard and who have an absolute love for it, but say they don't have the right physicality for it I mean like you said that you had a small head and like what exactly is the perfect (laughs) physique for a ballet dancer smallish head long neck you know 
medium length torso, not too small because if the torso is too small, it's harder to lift the long legs because then okay. the legs are long. So it's really quite specific proportions. I'm not perfect. I'm far from it. I've got a long body. I've got um, long legs from my hip to my knee. I've got short legs from my knee to my ankle and I've got tiny feet. I look like a carrot. But <laughs> okay. I, I know how to, do, to mask all of them okay. by training. So there are perfect bodies out there and then there are those that don't have perfect bodies. But then there's shapes that just don't fit into, into ballet at all and they shouldn't go. Like there's quite, there's people out there that no matter how little they eat or mm. how much they train, they just don't have the body for it and that's okay. And that's like, if people are like that and just say they're incredibly talented though, is there only a certain amount that they can go with absolutely. it? Absolutely. So yeah. they'll never dance professionally or you they'll never do, make it. There's other genres of dance they absolutely yeah. can do. I think just the ballet world can be too cruel. Classical ballet in yes. particular, yeah. Yes, and I just, you know, you have to be very careful when you're, if you're if you're going to venture down there. And not only that, psychologically it's, it's very demanding as well because you always have to be you know, on top and then somebody doesn't like a brunette that day. Somebody wants a blonde to dance and you've just been, you know, bursting yourself trying to get up to the front and then somebody just doesn't want a brunette. So when you were there, you were there for 14 years, um, when you came back, did you know what you wanted to do with your career when you were coming back or was it kind of a a weird time in your life? Yeah, it was a weird time in my life. My mum had just died and I kind of fell into teaching. Yeah. But I really loved it because I remembered what it was to be the one down the back literally not knowing anything that was going on yeah. and that, and I remembered that so that was really handy for me to be able to interpret that for the children yeah. does that make sense? Yeah no, absolutely and I shouted a lot Right okay <laughs> um, So you knew you wanted to teach and yeah. did you specifically want to kind of create a better world of ballet for Irish kids? Yes because I did you said yeah. that when you were younger and when you were leaving you know there was nowhere really for Irish ballet dancers to go Yeah. so you wanted to amend this obviously Absolutely and I just I, I'd seen so many people go to England and never come back. Yeah. You know, at least with me, when I did go to Perm, Perm came back, the, the troupe travelled back to Ireland with me. Right, you know, okay. I got to travel all over the world with them. Yeah. China, you name it, I was there in the bus, wishing I wasn't there. <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. It's a tough life. Yeah. But at least people, I brought something back. And then I thought, actually, I really like teaching. I didn't think I would. I mm-hmm. kind of, again, it was just a means to an end, just to keep me busy. And then I'm really, really good at it because yeah. I understand what it's like not to understand and yeah I just decided I would like to do main scale ballets and I wanted to train children in Ireland there you go So what about sacrifice in terms of being a ballet dancer if anybody's listening who um, wants to be a professional like how hard is it to maintain relationships when you're training how hard is it to maybe be a teenager and not be going out drinking in the fields which I suppose (laughs) is a good thing but what kind of sacrifices did you make growing up? Lots I think in hindsight probably maybe too many really and yeah and I think moving away from your family at such a young age now is probably not the right thing to do do even though for my career it was the right thing to do yes I think it had a profound effect on me and actually that's why I've become more stubborn in thinking that children shouldn't go away from their families if they can yeah and that's why you want to create this here in Ireland yes where children can train and can move up the ranks yeah. and still be able to stay with their families absolutely yeah and they have the support net- network here and they go to school in the morning which is really difficult for them yeah and then they come and train with me in the evening for five days a week wow um, Saturday is all day they come in at ten they leave at five yeah. And it's two hours in the evening, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a big commitment as it well. It is. And four of them are heading off to Russia now. Four of them have graduated from me. So I've placed them in a company in St. Petersburg. So they're going to go and apprentice wow. in St. Petersburg. And then one boy 
um, is in Perm. So he's in the, the school that I was in, but he's 18. So his formative years were here, to be fair, and now he's over there. So and okay. I love him. Oh my god, he's I was so going to ask, how is he getting on? He's incredible, really. Oh my god, this this guy is incredible. And so, just say for like an eighteen-year-old like that, I was watching this thing about the uh, the New York City Ballet. So they they kind of come up through the ranks of a school, and then they go in to the company mm-hmm. as an apprentice, mm-hmm. and then they graduate if they're, lucky. if they're lucky right if they get that yeah. and then they graduate if they're lucky to the corps de ballet and yeah. then they'll graduate to soloist yeah. and maybe again if they're very lucky they'll get the um what's the thing principal 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 yeah. dancer um so i mean i i read stories as well about people for years being in the corps de ballet mm-hmm. and never reaching that kind of pinnacle mm-hmm. i mean is that something that you prepare these kids for that Absolutely. if they want to go professional there is a chance that you will be in the court which is, there's nothing wrong with Look, that i always say be ready you might be a christmas tree you yeah know, that's it you might not literally be an inanimate object at the back of the stage just, yeah. just suck it up it's just a part of what it is but also a lot of people like to stay in the core yeah i found that when i got out of the core and became you know was doing more solo roles it's actually really you're really lonely you, you've no one to have the crack with that's it so when you're, girls in, are when you're in the core the you're with all the people yeah. yeah and not only that they know if there's something wrong with you on the stage so you have all the girls going come on you, can, you know somebody might get a spasm have you ever gotten a spasm when you have to stand on one leg and then all of a sudden you look at that girl and she is soaking wet from head to toe oh my god and she has to stay there yeah. and you, all you can hear is everyone going come on come on right. you know all these swans going you know through gritted teeth but when you're out there by yourself, nobody cares. You know, the audience do. But I, I, I found that at the end when people applauded and you go up to your change room and you're exhausted and your feet are wrecked, that's, it, it kind of got a bit empty for me. Right. And I used to, uh, and this is where my brain sadly kind of stopped me from enjoying it. It was, I used to think, can we not just put on the DVD of me doing it last night? Yeah. You know, because there's not, you know, yes, there's applause, but that was never really enough for me. I preferred rehearsing. I preferred being in the studio with people where you actually, you know, you could talk to somebody instead of being out on stage by myself. Now, I loved it, but it wasn't enough. There was a little bit of a come down. Yes. Afterwards. Absolutely. I really struggled with that aspect of it. Yeah. Walking off at the end, I'm kind of going, okay, so, you know, my body feels 10 years older, but, you know. Anticlimactic almost. Absolutely. For me, it was. Yes. So that's why I loved the core. You talk there about the community and people helping out each other and stuff like that. But also, you know, for people who aren't in the ballet world, we're kind of spoon fed this image through movies and through the media of what the ballet world is like. For Mm -hmm. example, Black Swan, Centre Stage, things like this. How true to life is that? Like how much bitchiness is there? Are people really going around, you know, bashing each other's legs and hiding shoes and stuff like this? No, I don't think so. I think there might be an element of that, but I think that's just humans. Right. I don't think I don't think I would connect that with the job. I think that would be and also an element of the fact that it is a sport and it is so competitive. I wouldn't again necessarily attach it to ballet, but I mean I've I heard stories about stuff going on in the Bolshoi theatre of people putting glass and shit. And we all like we were too busy working yeah. to be you were hoping your colleague wasn't gonna fall down because then you had to do her part as well. Does that make sense? So yeah. I was in the real world of going, Well, I wouldn't do that to anybody and they wouldn't do it to me because I don't want to be doing an extra part tonight that I don't get paid for. Does that make sense? It does make sense, yeah. So there, it does happen but it's not happening no, as much as you see it in the no, movies. No, I mean, I'm sure it does but as I get, I'm sure that's just human nature. So tell me, what's coming up then for you with the company in the next little while? Um, we're going to be performing in the National Concert Hall on the 21st of April so that's a Saturday Okay, a really nice evening. Um, of opera and ballet. And what's the ballet? Oh, okay. So I'm going to be doing a piece cut from Scheherazade. Okay. It's a little bit exotic. Ooh. I know. I'm currently in training for that. It's very daring. There's a little bit of um, 
What's the yeah. story? Because I, I've, I've seen a couple of ballets and I always like to know what the story is because sometimes you go to a ballet and if you don't know the world, you don't necessarily know what the story is. So mm-hmm. tell me the story of, and can you repeat the name because I can't remember. So Shahirzad, it's, it's an Arabian okay. love story. Lovely. You know, um, you know, the usual betrayal, all this kind of stuff, but it's quite <clears throat> charged, shall we say. Sexually charged. Yes. Okay. Um, so I kind of like that because I don't think the audience would be expecting it. Right, all right. And I'm bringing in this really, really nice guy from St. Petersburg. So that's, he's a bit of eye candy. That's fine. And then we're going to do the usual Swan Lake donkey out and stuff like that. So it's happening in the National Concert Hall on the 21st of April. And just through the National Concert Hall, you can get the tickets. That's great. Monica Lachman, thank you so much for coming in and talk to us. Thank you very much. So I watched this documentary about minimalism and then I was doing some research, Lisa, and I know you've watched it as well and you actually took on a challenge. So basically the documentary is on Netflix. If, if you haven't watched it, you should watch it. It's called Minimalism, Great. a documentary about the important things. And it's about these two lads, Joshua Fields, Milburn and Ryan Nicodemus. And basically they were both kind of climbing the corporate ladder in their 20s, working in finance and working in sales and advertising, making like crazy bank. And they realized that they were miserable like it wasn't equating to so their success and the amount of zeros behind their paycheck it wasn't equating to happiness and they were both miserable and then I think it was Ryan Nicodemus noticed a change in his best friend of like 20 years and he sat down with him one day and he was just like how come you're so happy like his mother had just passed away and his marriage had just broken down but he he was literally the happiest he'd ever been so one of them asked the other one "What, what are you doing what's your secret and he was like well this is my secret and he told him about how he had adopted a minimalistic lifestyle. Needs wrecking the place. And um, you're out of control. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen when she goes to space. Lads. You're going to wreck it. Yeah, wreck the things flying back at us at Earth here. Ow. Ow. Um, so yeah, minimalism. Basically, it's about owning nothing and thinking about your consumption. So Lisa, you watched this documentary yeah. and you actually did something quite drastic. Tell us about it. Um, I watched it last Christmas and I loved it. And I was like, oh, I wish there was more of these. You know, when you watch a really good documentary, you're like, don't let it end. Yeah. And yeah. then I was like okay what can I do now like me as just a girl what can I do and then I thought okay I'm going to stop shopping for a year so I'm not going to purchase anything for the full year so anything that I can put on my body that's socks underwear t-shirts clothes shoes accessories anything like that I'm out for the year and normally I set these physical challenges for myself like I taught myself how to do a handstand I'm quite tall it was this very grueling six months of my life I cried every single Wednesday went to a gymnastic class with six year olds you can imagine how that was (laughs) horrific and we got there in the end it was a big big day so this was something different this was more of a mental challenge and I said from the 1st of January 2017 that's it I'm out I'm not buying a thing and I did it Did Did you panic before? Did you look through your wardrobe and think do I have enough pairs of socks to get me through the next 365 days no so I go away at Christmas time all the time it's my big holiday every year I was actually in the Philippines when I watched this so I didn't even have that time to even see what have I got what will I have I came home and I had started it in on my trip I didn't get back till the 9th of January wow. so I had started I came home and I was just like no and it was just one of the best things I've 
ever done in my life. I can't describe the feeling of freedom I had in the, in the whole year. There was moments when there was pangs that I didn't even realise I had. Like, even I look at here today, like if I was coming up here before, even though I know it's radio and stuff like that, or if we're doing something like, oh, I must get something new now because I'm going up there, you know, to give yourself that thing or going to weddings or even just this constant that I didn't realise. Let's pop into the shops and have a look. We are mass buying mm-hmm. to just basically facilitate this momentary high of yeah. like, oh great, I got a new jumper. God, it's lovely. I'm going to change my life now. I'll wear that jumper. I'm going to be absolutely buzzing this week or especially with clothes around events and stuff. Yeah. Not having been part of that, I swear to God, girls, was phenomenal. It seems like it fills a void though. Totally. And this is, I don't think it's just shopping. I think no. it's just general consumerism. Yeah. I mean, as Look in... at social media. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're totally you're, right, Neve. Even if you get to a place where you feel like you're completely happy and you get to a place where you've always wanted to be, yeah. it seems that as humans, and maybe it's never going to change, but we always want more. Mm-hmm. It's more, 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 more. And that's why advertising mm-hmm. and fast fashion, which I've talked about before on the show, is becoming so predominant as in like people know how stupid we are essentially yeah. and that we will literally buy whatever they're trying to sell. Yeah, totally. Yeah. When I was uh, in the, the desert again, I was staying in a room that was probably... Um, uh, smaller than your uh, what are they calling the, your airing cupboard yeah. it was just like it was sort of like a your long room it was a hot press there was yeah. no windows or anything Gosh. and I was sleeping on top of a box about a metre high and I brought with me I think it was like two pairs of jeans and then just a load of thermals and <clears throat> you know all I really had was my electronic stuff so I had my computer and I had my cameras and stuff and I was there for two weeks and we didn't use money the whole well, obviously if you don't use money the, the whole time you're there and mm. What was really weird when I came back, and I remember kind of starting to think about this when I was there because I wrote a, a kind of a blog post about it. I came in the door of my apartment and I couldn't get over how much space I had. Nonsense, like cushions on the couch. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. All these shelves, like paper clips, paper clips, pictures, yeah. um, just things, things, just things. And I went like, I am definitely downsizing. And mm-hmm. actually, the year gone, like I didn't set myself a task, but I can't remember the last time I bought clothes. It's just, it's completely Amazing. changed my whole perception of Brilliant. what's important and what's not important. And also I try to live on absolutely nothing in terms of like money. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I basically kind of go, right, I'll give myself a really tight budget and all I buy is kind of food and I yeah. just keep it to the absolute minimum because right. I really feel like that it, it kind of really got me over the whole consumerism and when you live that minimally you realise like you become disinterested don't you it's great I don't mean that no, yeah. but you realise it's about wonderful. the people that are yeah. around you All and what that. you're stimulating yeah. it, you know and, and that thing if I used to be like I used to kind of go in like to different shops just yeah. to get that little kick I, I can't remember no. the last it, time it, I did it. it it's so it's not me now at all now mm. and I realised as well I was never as happy as I was in 2017 and I, I don't say that lightly I literally was I just had no I had obviously other pressures but I had no pressures on myself yeah. and the one example I always use and I'm like a broken record saying it now is one of our friends got married and a couple of the girls had literally we know we were chatting about yeah. what he went to the wedding yeah. usual yeah. and they were like one of the girls was like yeah so I bought like six dresses online no. with a view to return yeah, yeah. so six dresses online a couple of red shoes I have this bag and then I picked up a few other things and she was so she didn't even realise what a kind of a stress situation she got herself into and I was just like Irish 
sure I'll pull something out yeah. of the bag it turned out then when I, I was wearing I decided to wear shorts I love shorts I like a short and a, a blazer jacket thing and then uh, my brother was giving me a lift to the church and he goes you look like you're going to Wimbledon and I was like perfect yeah anyway because you know when someone sows the seed so then I he was like I'm leaving in three minutes so I ran upstairs just threw on a pencil skirt a cami top and a cape that I'd had for three or four years and I'm not joking it was the most complimented I've ever gotten in my life people were like Lisa your outfit's lovely like yeah. and I didn't say anything about this I was like this is so crazy but I and then my friend was and she was like I hate my dress I hate my shoes and it's just it was just really freeing did you did you tell people that you were doing this while you were doing this yeah. what was the general reaction that you got from people because like I would be so fascinated about that and even saying like I mean I'm going to be totally honest I went shopping yesterday yeah. so I'm not good at this but I haven't made the decision to do this but if I was to do it I would be interested to see what the general reaction would be from in particular other women yeah massive interest of, of and shock yeah and especially when I was like I like to do things where there's no if buts around you know if you save someone how save someone start barking on a healthy thing and I'm like how's it going and then they're like yeah it's grand but if you have to start a sentence with that it means you're not actually do, fulfilling that promise that you've made to yourself so I'd be like yeah no so I'm not buying anything now so I really want you to be clear and then they're like but like what about and then I'm like no 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 there's no shopping happening this year and the first question at the start say in the first six months was geez you must be saving loads of money and then I think when that was never did you save loads of money yeah I, yeah. I, I did mm-hmm. I, I, I won't know until this October fully when I file my tax yeah. return for, for that year so oh, wow. but I think around 3,000 euro wow. so, and I didn't think I was a shopper yeah. um, but the thing was as well it's just bits you only yeah, get bits yeah, no it's yeah, bits yeah. of bits, crap bits, bits. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but one of the things was though that was never my leading story on it like I, I, I'm not into money I don't talk about mm-hmm. it I have no interest in it I understand it yeah. I respect it but it's not a leading thing for me it never motivates me in life so that I'd never be like to people and I'm saving loads of money my thing would be like oh I just feel so relaxed lads it's so amazing not to have to be shopping and then so when I told people that their perception around it changed and then they wanted to engage on a different level with me which yeah. is so I just basically social media or media trained the conversation to yeah. a way where people would be like how do you feel I think that's brilliant and the amount of messages and even conversations with people just been like Lisa you've inspired me to even cut back which I think is great I'm not saying everyone has to go like I did but even just to be more conscious about their spend and so how has your spending changed now because obviously that was January that you started it so yeah. it's been a year yeah. so are you still are you never going to shop again or like is, is it just changed the way you think about totally changed the way I think I have zero interest um, I bought one thing for myself um, oh, just oh, I love a good pair of dungarees and uh, I can't wear dungarees because I look like a giant baby you, it, I literally can't yeah, it's well, just one of the things I can't wear if you look like a baby you can imagine me I'm 25 million feet so I'm like there and I'm like oh, no, you look like yeah. a grown woman yeah, yeah, I look yeah, like yeah. an 8 year old child I just like think I'm a dungarees. painter you know I'm just like just doing a few odd jobs around the house in like an 80s movie yeah, yeah I know yeah so I got gorgeous uh, like a light pink um, a corduroy pair of dungarees that I, I, I really, really, I saw them on, I think it was Meg Ryan, who was just so stylish. And I got them and I was like, I love them, but I love them and I've worn them. So I got them maybe two weeks ago. I've worn them about 70 million times already, but I've no interest in going into the shops. I've no interest in shopping. Because yeah. like, everyone's like, what did you buy? What did you buy? I'm like, I don't need Anthony yet. So I haven't bought Anthony. Amazing. Yeah. Now I am on the changing. hunt for uh, like a shoe boot or a flat shoe because I always wear them. Like I have yeah. these ones and my stuff, the great thing is loads of my stuff fell apart this year, which was brilliant. Yeah. I was like, nice one yeah and then I it means you've definitely worn them I cleaned my wardrobe out though three times during the year and I did it again in January I gave another two bags I said I didn't wear you all year so clearly I don't care about you I don't know how we do that like I've moved around a lot in terms of apartments and houses and stuff and every time I go I always clean out my wardrobe I use it as 
a really good excuse and every time I go I clean out at least two full bags that yeah, go to charity yeah, yeah. and this is in the space of like six months yeah. but it's just like black top black top black top grey jumper for me grey jumper obsessed and I just don't know why I'm buying the same, same things thing. twice and three times yeah. so I was thinking about like you know if anybody's listening and if they wanted to maybe adopt something like this in terms Amazing. of a minimalistic yeah. approach but are a little bit terrified of that so there's the 333 challenge yeah. which I wrote about and it's actually in the documentary as well yeah. um, and basically it's you living off 33 items of clothes in your okay. wardrobe yeah. for a year or for however long you want to do it um, so it includes clothing and it includes accessories and jewellery it doesn't include those sentimental things like mm. wedding rings mm. or mm. underwear like yeah. that's a good thing as well mm. I think because you know sometimes you just need to buy some new underwear yes and to be honest, be honest not to brag but I did that as part of my year challenge as well wow. for one month I did 30 day challenge with um, uh, style.com Linda Conway from Stellar set that up did the 333 yeah. three, three, yeah, thing yeah. amazing yeah. so I did that in the year as well too so that one I was really been smug and I was yeah. like I was to the wire that month I'll tell you but could I could only wear 30 items in that month yeah it's wow. very like, intelligent I think it sounds like a lot oh but yeah it, but it's not a take lot take in training gear Neve, yeah. and then you're you're into a big dark space oh no I don't think I, I don't know see? if I could do that yeah. just try it though honestly yeah. I even see how you go like no but that's it so yeah. that's it so I'm gonna I'm gonna actually try this for a month and see nice and I'll done. report back yeah, right. and then hopefully I'll just throw everything out because yeah. you'll be you know, sick of it by then I'll be sick of it yeah so I did say that we were gonna um, come back to space great so come before we space. go that's I, you that's me I'm up before we go <laughs> Dr. Shaw because you're actually going to be like the first Irish woman into space I think that it's only fair that we test you on your space knowledge wah, wah. Okay. but I want to test you both as well Lisa you're going to be in this God as well good luck good luck good luck, good luck. Good luck. Now, this is just in good fun like it's nothing sure She's why are you sweating this is not a leave insert again how many points do I need <laughs> okay we're going to start off with an easy one alright so which way does the earth spin? And I would like an answer from both of you and then I'll tell you which is correct. Lisa, you're I was, oh, This is so weird, Dave. I was actually just thinking of this yesterday because I was thinking like about Same it when here. kids ask me because I was saying, you know, the, so the sun the sun rises in the east and I, sets I have in the west. For you. So yeah. the yeah. sun rises in the east and sets in the west. So that's how it actually moves. But I have an appalling sense of direction. Okay, so which way does the earth spin? Does it spin from west to east or from east to west? West to east, I'm going for so if the sun rises in the east and sets in the west, then we must be spinning <laughs> east to west. Okay, so you're going for east to west. Yeah. And Lisa Regan, Straight off the cuff. PR guru is going from west now to east. Now space expert, and perhaps. Right. And she's right. Lisa Regan. Thank you very much, Neve. I have such an appalling Through the chair, it looks like Shaw. I'm going to Mars. Do you remember Mars. those geography Dr. questions? Dr. Yeah, I know, but do you remember those questions in, in geography? If it's three o'clock in China, what time is it in Berlin? And I go, oh, I could never I was always terrible with the um, cylinders and the water. Oh, no, so no if you have yeah. a cylinder with water and then no you have problem. a square full of water, I was no like, problem. why would I have these cylinders in the first place? Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, uh, no, no, no problem. Sense. It was just, I'm just going to give you two more questions okay, and this yeah. is really just for you to okay. pull yourself back Neve, so that you Neve, can get to space. <laughs> Which planet is bigger? Earth or Mars? Mars. Earth. <laughs> Earth is bigger. Mars. I'm going for Mars. Mars is smaller yeah. because Mars' gravity is bigger. Dr. Shaw, okay, one all. And for the win... Good luck, Lisa. Oh, I just did that for you. Which of these planets has no moons? Uranus or Mercury? Mercury. Mercury. 
Oh, is that really obvious? Is that, I didn't know that one. No, I just copied Neve. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. So it looks like you're both going to space. Yay! Congratulations. <laughs> that is all the time we have for this week. Thank you so much to my guest panellists, Dr. Neve Shaw and Lisa Regan. Thanks to our Spotlight interview, Monica Lockman. Shane Dempsey was on sound. Anya Leach and Kat Stewart were helping me out behind the scenes. I'm Neve Marr. Next week, we're talking all about female health and the importance of getting checked. So we will chat to you then. 